is uh, a privilege uh, to be on this stage right now. Uh, my wife and I have made Brentwood our home for about four years now and uh, love this place. Uh, it has changed our lives. We've gotten so many new friends. Uh, we've gone to levels with uh, our personal relationships with God that we never could have imagined. And when John came and said, hey, I'd love for you to open up uh, this series called Don't Fall in Love, what do you think? I jumped at the chance. Uh, so I'm here today to do that. And I love the title because I say don't fall in love. And many of you guys kind of give me that double take like, wait, they keep saying don't fall in love. Are they right? Is that what they mean to say? Yes, that's what we mean to say. Uh, over the next several weeks, we're going to look at what it is to create and have and develop deep love relationships in your life. Not falling in and out of love, but having deep, meaningful God-centered love in your life. But before we can do that, before we get into today's message, we have to ask ourselves a question. Uh, this is a basic, simple question, but as you ask yourself this, this is kind of going to key everywhere that we go today. So I want you to ask yourself right now, what is love to me? What is love to me? We've got single people in the world today that are hoping and praying and searching and looking for that Mr. Right or Mrs. Right. We've got couples that are getting engaged and heading into marriage that are hoping and praying that this is the right person for them. We've got marriages that may be 5, 10, 15 years old and the participants are wondering, is this, is this it? Is this really it? Are we in love? What is love to me? If we don't know, if we don't have an idea of what love is to us, what it means, how it should look and feel in our lives, how are we going to know when we're in love? How are we going to know when we find love? How are we going to know how to live and give and share love in our lives? I was a second, third semester at Liberty University. Uh, I was working in the alumni relations office. I spent six and a half of the best years of my life at Liberty do the math, yeah. Um, I'm not a doctor. But uh, while I was there, I got to work at uh, the intramural sports office for four years, and I absolutely loved it. Um, it was, the, to me, the best on-campus job you could get. We had hundreds of students come through every night to play sports. So I got to hang out around athletics and sports, which is kind of my passion. I got to meet students every night, build some relationships, build some friendships. And it was through that one day I was in my office, just doing whatever we did in the office, preparing for that night stuff. And uh, this, this girl walks to the door, and I kind of did a double take. I'm like, oh, hello there. <laughs> she was kind of attractive. So we had a little, little interaction, a little conversation. She went her way. And I was like, hmm, all right. That was nice. I enjoyed that. Um, she was actually coming to turn in her application uh, to work for Intermail Sports, so I gladly accepted that immediately placed her on staff. Um, so she was working with us. So for the next uh, couple of months, I was able to, you know, have some conversations and get to know her. And the more I got to know her, the more I was falling for her. I was like, this is, this is a cool girl. I am, I'm glad that she's working with us. And so a couple of months went by. We finished the semester. Next semester kicks off. And I'm like, you know what? I, I kind of want to see where this is going to go. I kind of want to put myself out there 
I'm going to ask her out. So I stopped her one day. I said, hey, you want to go out with me this weekend? She said, no, I'm going home this weekend. I'm sorry. I was like, oh, okay. That was, that was a polite way of her to say she's not interested. Worried about my feelings. I respect that. So went about, didn't think much of it. That night she calls back and she says, hey, guess what? My trip fell through and I would love to go out if you're interested. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. So we went out, had a great first date. That first date led to several other dates. And we were three, four months into the dating relationship. And I'm, I'm a wreck. I'm just like, this is it. I don't ever want anything else. This is what I want. So I decided, you know what I'm going to do? Dropping the L-bomb. It's happening. It's happening this weekend. I'm telling her I love her. So I, I planned the weekend out, apparently. I can't tell you what we did that weekend. I don't know if we went out to eat, if we made dinner, if we did a movie, game night. I don't, I don't know. All I remember was the whole time I was looking for that perfect moment when I could be like, you know what? Boom. So I'm looking. The night's going on. It's getting later. And suddenly, there's the moment. The door, the lights. I'm like, yes, here we go. So I catch her eye. And then I give her that little grin. I'm like, hey, I love you. And she catches my eye. She smiles back and she says, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. That's, that's what I got. We finished the night. She went home. I'm sitting in my house and I'm like, Thank you. All right. That wasn't what I had expected or hoped for. But the more I thought about it, the more I loved her for that response. She had decided in her heart that love was something far greater, far more important than to just casually say, hey, I love you too, if she didn't mean it. She didn't care if the situation was awkward. She didn't care if she hurt my feelings because she had purposed in her heart that until God said, hey, this is who I have for you, she wasn't going to say I love you regardless of what culture in the world says to do. That's what she had purposed. The, the happy ending is a couple months later, she finally broke down and said, I love you, which I was excited about. And then a couple years later, she said, I do. And we've been married for six and a half years. Thank you. Thank you. And those six and a half years have been far greater than my liberty years. So I say all that. The world today has such a skewed concept of what love is. We see it in Hollywood. We see it on TV. We see it in the workplace, on the Internet. The world tells us that love is temporary, that love is self-gratifying, that it's casual. You can just get in and get out, get in, get whatever you can get, be happy, enjoy it. But when you start to have to work at it, when it doesn't meet your needs, it's okay to just get out of it. You can fall in love again. There's somebody else. That's such a, a skewed vision when we compare it to what the Bible says. Apostle Paul writes in Corinthians, and we're going to go there. So if you've got your Bible, you've got your Bible app, 1 Corinthians 13, and I know as soon as I say that, some of you guys are like, I don't even need my Bible. If you've been to a Christian wedding in the last 20 years, you've heard this passage. Uh, but... We're going to look at it through a little bit different filter this morning. Paul's writing to the church at Corinth here, and he's telling them the purpose of this letter is to fix the way that you are showing love in your life. 
He's like, the way you are acting, what you are doing now, the way that you are living out love is inaccurate. It's wrong. And I'm writing you this letter to address that. And he has to write them a letter because it's so off base. Does that sound like anybody we know today? Yes. <laughs> it sounds like us. It sounds like our world and our culture. So he starts this off, and we're going to look at verse 3 first, the second part of that verse. Paul writes to them, and he says this. He says, so no matter what I say, what I believe and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. He tells them, look, the words that you say, your actions, how you live, even what you profess to believe in, none of that matters. It's completely worthless, completely empty without love. He then goes on to describe in detail, and we're reading out of the message here because I love the way that it makes it so simplified. There's no big words to confuse. There's nothing. He just breaks it down super simple in the next several verses, and he says this. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have, and it doesn't strut and doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others, It isn't always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others. It doesn't revel when others grovel. What it does is it takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. It puts up with anything. It trusts God always. It always looks for the best and never looks back but keeps going to the end. And then he finishes with these three words. Love never dies. Love never dies. So he's writing them and saying, look, how you are living, how you are showing love as the church, as Christians, this isn't right. This is what it should look like. It's not about you. Love's not supposed to make you feel good. It's about others. It's not immediate gratification. Love is patient. He's telling them that this is how it should look. And then he gets to the end and he finishes with those three words. Love never dies. What Paul's telling them right here is huge. And I'm going to get a lot of nods as soon as we put this on the screen. He says, a love that never dies is unconditional and unending. That's what everybody wants. That's what everybody wants. If you ask anybody in this room, anybody in this city, how do you want your love to be? I want to be loved no matter what. There's nothing I can do to buy it or earn it. I just want to be loved. And then once I'm loved... I don't want anything that I do to cause me to lose it. That's what everybody's looking for. Across the board, single people, engaged people, married people, that is what everybody wants. And you know what? There's not one person on the face of the earth that can love you as much as you want to be loved. Not one person. 
that will love us as much as we want to be loved. Now, I don't say that to burst your bubble and to make you feel hopeless, like, I guess I'm just going to be alone the rest of my life. I just say that because that's the truth. The world today goes in and out and in and out of relationships, in and out of love, looking and searching and finding something, someone that will love them as much as they want to be loved, and they're never satisfied. The good news is someone already loves us more than we could ever be loved, more than we could ever want, more than we could ever need. He's loved us from the very beginning when he created us. He created us to have relation, relationship with him. He loved us so much that even when we goofed up and when we sinned, and we caused this huge chasm between his love and us, he said, you know what? I'll take care of that. I'll send my son to die for you. To live on this earth and give up his life so that we can be in relationship again, so that you can experience my love. No, there's nothing you can do to buy it. There's nothing you can do to earn it. I'm giving this to you because I love you. All you have to do is accept it. And you know what? Once you accept it, I'll never take it away. No matter what you do, how angry you get at me, no matter how far you run from God, you turn around and he's there with open arms saying, I still love you. That is a love that we have access to right now. All we have to do is accept it. All we have to do is accept it. We accept God's love and he fills our life with his love and not ours. It changes us. It changes us. I know change is a frightening word for some, but it literally changes. When we accept God's love and we say, fill me with your love, God, the way we think, the way we speak, the way we act, everything changes. It is now run through the filter of God's love. It is now completely covered with his love. It is his love flowing through us and not our love trying to meet the needs of others. We have it. All we have to do is accept it, and it will change us. It reminds me of a story. There's this married couple, and the, the husband gets gravely ill. They rush him to the hospital. So he's hooked up to these machines. He's got all these tubes and wires. Nurses are running in and out, and the wife steps out in the hall with the doctor, and the doctor says, I'm not going to mince words. Your, your husband's condition is, is terminal. He's, he's going to die. He says, I, the only way that I think we can prevent his death is this one course of treatment. And it needs to be followed to the T. And so she's like, yes, and it, whatever, please tell me what it is. And so the doctor's like, okay, this has to happen. Your husband needs to sleep in every day. Sleep in. 10, 11, noon if he wants. Let him sleep in. But when he gets up, home-cooked breakfast. This is important. Home-cooked breakfast. Lots of bacon. Lots of bacon. I'm telling you, this is a medical doctor. And I'm telling you, 
this is how your husband lives with lots of bacon. She's like, okay. He's like, now once he finishes that breakfast, you need to get him into his lazy boy as soon as possible. You don't have a lazy boy? Go get one before he gets released because this is important. He needs to have the TV remote in one hand, a cold iced tea in the other. This is what he needs. If you can do this, if you can meet these needs day in and day out, your husband's going to live. And she's like, okay, this is, this is heavy, but can I ask you something? Would, do you mind if I share the news with my husband? I, don't, I think he would take it better from me than from a doctor. He just doesn't trust doctors. Is that okay? And the doctor says, sure, absolutely. You go talk to your husband. So she goes in his room, shuts the door behind him, and she goes and sits down beside his bed and takes his hand. And she says, honey, the doctor says you're going to die. Okay, it's not a real story, but it makes a point. When we have to change, when we have to change, when we're suddenly not getting all the kittens and rainbows that come with love and all those fuzzy, warm feelings, when we suddenly have to work at it, we've got to put effort into it. We have to change who we are. If we rely on our own love, What's just inside of us, we're going to let love die. Literally and figuratively, this lady was going to let love die because she didn't want to change. We've got to let God's love change who we are, first and foremost, from the inside out. Once we let him change, his love permeates everything that we do. And now suddenly, we live our lives with God's love flowing out of us. The words that we speak are his words through us. Imagine what that looks like. Imagine what that looks like. Suddenly, the waiter or waitress that's been nothing but rude to you your entire dinner You respond with love. And the tables next to you are like, how are they doing that? How can they be so loving to this person? Your roommate that eats all your food and wears all your clothes. You respond in a loving, kind manner. It's going to blow his mind. That's possible when it's God's love and not ours. We start letting his love come out and suddenly we are rising to the love that God has for us instead of falling in and out and in and out of love. Read this. It says, as we receive God's love, we can then give God's love. And that will attract a loving person. Are you tired of trying to find the right person, find Mr. Perfect, find the one that's going to meet all your needs? It's because you're basing it on your needs and your love. But when you let God fill you and change you and you become a new creature, everything about you is gone. It's simply God's love flowing through us and everything that we do 
That's going to attract loving people. As we rise up and as others rise up and we get to that level of love that God has for us, that unconditional, unending love, we will attract those people. We don't have to search for it. We allow God to live through us. That will attract loving people. That will attract the people that we want to be with. That will attract somebody that's living God's love in their life. So when God does bring us together, when we we do find that person that God has for us, we're not loving them and they're not loving us. It's God's love through us that builds that relationship, that rises that up to the level that God has for us. The Apostle John talks in John chapter 13, two verses. He's writing what God is speaking. And I love the way that, that God goes about this. He's talking to these people and he says, he says this. Verse 34, he says, A new command I give you, love one another. I can just imagine some of the quizzical looks on the religious leaders of that time as, as God says this. Hey, this new command I give you, love one another. And they're like, hold on, that's not a new command. You've been telling us as far back as we can remember to love your neighbor and to love one another. How is this a new command? The what here didn't change. What Jesus wants us to do didn't change here. That's not new. We are to love one another. How we are to love is what's new. He says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. The Lord that gave his son that loves us unconditionally regardless of what we can do whose love has no end. The minute we leave this earthly body, we are with him in eternity. He loves us that much. That's the love we are to love one another with. He showed us, he modeled that in his time on earth. He gave up his life as an example of how he wants us to love. And then he goes on the next verse and he says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. By this, everyone will know. Why is that? Because God's love is so drastically different than what the world is looking for and what the world is searching for, what our culture tells us that love is. God's love is so different that when it is flowing through our lives and everything that we do, we can't help but stand out in a crowd. People are going to start noticing what is going on. How can, how can they react that way in this situation? I don't understand. As we receive God's love and we give it 
in our lives, we will attract loving people. That unconditional, unending love will draw people to us, will show others around us, the people that are in our circles of influence, the people that we work with, our neighbors, our families. If we allow God's love to permeate who we are and change who we are, everyone will know. I want to share one story with you, and it's kind of emotional for me, so bear with me if I lose it a little bit. But my grandfather was one of the most godliest, loving men that I have ever met. As a kid, I used to love people coming over to my grandparents' house and telling stories of when Donald was a, a, a kid, when he was in the military, when he was a school superintendent. I used to love hearing stories about his life because they all boiled down to two simple things. My grandfather loved the Lord, and he loved people. I used to love those stories. Everybody that came to his house that we got introduced to that knew my grandfather at one time in life said, I'm here because he loved me. It used to amaze me. That love, that love that he decided as a, a, a young person that, you know what, it can't be me. I can't love my neighbor. I can't love my enemy. This has to be God. And so he accepted God's love in his life. He allowed it to change who he was at the core. And then he started giving that love out in his day-to-day life. And he impacted so many people. And he attracted a cute young lady named Fern who looked at him who saw the way that he lived his life, who saw how much he loved and cared for people, that she was magnetized to him. To hear her say it, I just knew at that moment that there was nobody else that I wanted to spend my life with. The moment I met your grandfather. So they got married. And instead of saying, you know what? I will love you until the end. They said, you know what? It's not going to be my love that grows this marriage. I'm going to let God's love flow through me, and I will love you as God loved me. And my grandmother said the same. It's going to be God's love in us that grows our marriage, that allows us to interact and do things and follow his plan for our life. We're not going to try to do it on our own because we can't. They went on to have four kids, that they raised in a Christian loving home. Those four kids had nine grandchildren, of which I'm the oldest. And I literally got to see firsthand a love that grew year to year, stronger and closer to not only each other, but to God. I got to witness that. And I'd like to tell you that it was a happy and joyous picture joyous example of what God's love should look like in our lives, but that's not true. 
it was a good example of what God should look like, God's love should look like in our lives, but it wasn't joyous and happy. You see, my grandfather spent the last several years of his marriage beside a hospital bed. What started as random forgetfulness and times of being confused quickly turned into Alzheimer's for my grandmother. And we got to watch as she suddenly didn't know who we were as grandkids, as she didn't recognize her own children, as she didn't even know who her husband was, couldn't remember all the love that they had shared. Yet day after day, my grandfather would get up, would get dressed, would go to the nursing home, and sit by his wife's bed and hold her hand and comb her hair and feed her food until the day that she passed. He didn't just decide when the diagnosis came down, wow, this could be really tough. Do I want to stick this out? Am I strong enough to deal with this? Am I going to be able to handle this horrible situation that lies before us? No, he decided many, many years ago as a young boy, you know what? I'm not going to live on my own love. I'm going to live God's love in me. He decided when he first married his bride and said, you know what? It's going to be God's love over our marriage and not mine. So when the going got really tough, and the woman that he spent so many years with is lying in this bed, unaware of who he is, angry and lashing out. He was as much in love with her then as he ever was. That is unconditional and unending love. That's the love that we can have it can start today. It can start today. I don't, I don't care if you're here and, and you're sitting there saying, this whole time I, I'm confused because I've never really experienced that God love. I've never experienced that moment of knowing that this love is unconditional and unending. I've never had that moment. Today is the day. I don't care if you do it in your seat. I don't care if you come down front. I don't care if you go to the cross. Don't leave today without accepting God's love. Don't leave today without accepting his love. Ask him to come into your life. Ask him to start changing you, to forgive you of all your sins, to forgive you of your past, and to change who you are at the core. You might have already experienced that. You may have God's love in you, but you've been keeping him at arm's length when it comes to your personal relationships. I can do this on my own. I know what I want. I can find it. It's out there. I'm sure it is. And you've been in and out of dating relationships. 
You've fallen in love and then fallen out of love. And you've fallen in love and fallen out of love. Ask the Lord today to experience his love at a level that you've never felt before. Ask him to fill you with his love, to take all of you out, that you may start living and giving his love instead of yours. There may be a marriage that today that's holding on by a thread. Because for so many years, you guys have been trying to make it work on your own. And God's there with open arms saying, you know what? I love you guys. Let me wash over your marriage. Let it be my love that you're giving. Man, imagine what this place would be like. Imagine if this room decided that we're going to receive and give God's love unconditionally, unendingly, that we were going to rise to the love that God has for us instead of continually falling in and out of love when we do it on our own. It'll change our lives. It'll impact this community and change the world. Wherever you're at, I beg you, do not leave today without talking to God and getting it straight. He's always loved us. He always will. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. We love you so much, yet not nearly as much as you love us. I pray that this morning, the words that you've spoken through me, the words that are tugging on people's hearts right now, may your spirit come and move and work in these lives, Lord. May we decide today to be a people that lets go of our own love, that lets you fill us up and spread your love through us in every area of our lives. God, you are amazing. Thank you for today. We ask this in your name. Amen.